welcome to Potlucky, a weed sommelier podcast. My name is Liz and I am your host and weed sommelier. I review strains, recommend things to munch on, and talk to guests about their history with weed. I've been a consumer for nine years and I am located in southern Maine where it's legal medically and recreationally. I am joined today by founder of Can Waste, Kevin, and oh my gosh, let me let me hope I get these accolades correct. Academic liaison um, and research and development person jeremy uh welcome to the show thank you thank you for having us thanks for having us yeah so kevin you are the founder um so you get to talk first uh how long have you been a weed consumer and do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share you know stuff about your business i've been a consumer for let's see must be 30 years now um don't want to show too much of my age but uh yeah, I, I'm a, I enjoy partaking. Uh, it's a simple way to just relax and uh, get a little creative. And uh, what I do is uh, I go to cannabis cultivators and extractors, uh, dispensaries and uh, hemp farmers, and I take care of their waste for them. Um, we kind of provide waste. a Generally, you're talking about uh, the stem and uh, leaf, uh, even the soul media with the cultivators. Uh, extractors have tons of biomass that once they extract it, it's uh, just spent material. Um, and those are two of our primary markets in the cannabis. And CBD hemp farmers have a lot of waste as well. Um, and the biggest uh push to our business has been the sustainability piece that's lacking in both industries um and that's what motivated me to actually put together uh the business plan that we have right now and uh, with everything that we collect uh we have developed a custom kiln to make biochar from everything um, and biochar is an excellent product uh for soil amendment, uh, different kinds of filtration, uh, water and air remediation. Uh, and there's many industrial uses for it as well. Um, so we're, uh, we're proud of the work that we've done putting together this fully closed loop system uh, of sustainability for the cannabis and hemp industry. What, when you say closed loop, what do you mean? It means everything that we take in we make a different byproduct with it instead of just disposing of it in a landfill. Our mission is to divert everything from the landfill in, uh, in the industries. Sustainability is something I feel passionate about. I feel guilty when I have, like, there's no recycling bin at a party and I have to, like, throw away my water bottle or take take like well normally i'm the one that sets up like a like a plastic recycling bag at a party and then i take that home for the you know 20 cents um <laughs> that way everyone That's wins yeah but uh so biochar just before we jump to jeremy do you want to for people that don't know what biochar is do you want to explain um what it's made out of well, i mean we can probably guess but like what the uses are for sure it's uh it's made in a anaerobic environment in a high temperature kiln. And it's basically just a char, char product, uh, it's just like charcoal, uh, but it has many different properties than charcoal. Uh, it's it's uh, molecular makeup actually attracts and holds different minerals in, in water uh, as a soil amendment and uh, just, does uh, does a lot of uh, uh, it en it enhances the soil and rejuvenates it and the uh, the uses that we're looking into beyond soil amendment essentially boils down to filtration. It's a very good uh, water filtrator, remediator, air filtration. Um, and uh, we're looking into some industrial uses that can be used in, in different things like hempcrete and insulation is, is one of the uh, product, uh, 
So, you know, we're doing a lot of research and development. It's still early in the development of uh, what kinds of things that can be used, but there's a lot of businesses that are looking into biochar as being uh, an al a sustainable alternative to some of the materials that they use in their own processes. Um, and the beautiful part of it is when you do the pyrolysis, there's a method called pyrolysis uh, that actually makes the biochar in the kiln. And when you do the process, it's a carbon sink, which means that there's, uh, it, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, it's a, it's a carbon sink process that uh, essentially uh, sorry, Jeremy. I, I, Jeremy, you want to bail Kevin out here? <laughs> Please, thank you. <laughs> um, so with biochar, part of it's it's a very dynamic material. Um, the easiest way that I like to describe it to people that's digestible is it's mineralized carbon. So um, primarily, we want to focus and really where we are focusing at the moment is organic waste diversion through biochar. So um, the beauty of cannabis industry is it actually, the, the cannabis plant, whether it's um, sativa, indica, or industrial hemp, or any of the hundreds of thousands of varieties uh, that grow, it's actually a really good carbon sequester from the atmosphere. Um, and what happens is we're able to run it through the pyrolysis system and convert that material into a mineralized carbon that based on, um, for, for lack of better words, the, the structure, the internal structure of the material, um, it converts it into a, it gives it certain uh, capabilities um, for doing different things that are, are really incredible. Um, so that's where by us having that, we get a better understanding and things like reduction of fertilizer, um, and different ways of supplementing additives are an incredible piece that not only prove the, the carbon sequestration of the plant and close the energy system, but if we can divert it appropriately back into the system, then it actually enables communities to be more resilient with their soils. So um, it creates homes for bacteria and microfungi, um, but it also absorbs nutrients and slowly releases them back into the system where it creates better balance for the soils. So that's wow. a solution. <laughs> In my head, I was just thinking this could be a resource for fuel. And I, I mean, I was comparing biochar to charcoal, um, obviously, but so can, can you use it as a fuel source? Like, like burn it? Uh, no, you don't want to. Um, you can generate fuel out of the process of pyrolysis. So um, a lot of people will hear the term biodiesel. That's actually a byproduct of, the pyro of some pyrolysis systems. Depending on the system itself, there's different reactors, there's different stages where um, Believe it or not, there's different ways to burn material. Um, and we don't want to burn the organic um, material because that's gonna release those emiss more emissions into uh, the atmosphere. Okay. So by pyrolyzing it at the appropriate temperature for the appropriate time, you can actually get some oils and resins out of that process if you do it appropriately to give you things like biodiesels and organic petroleum-based fuels. Um, but the biochar itself, you don't, if it's done properly, you shouldn't be able to burn it um, if it's run through the appropriate processes because you actually want to um, cool it with water. If it, if you don't do it properly, it will combust, which is bad biochar. So if you can light it on fire, you did something wrong. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, so, I mean, you're probably a little late to ride, uh, sorry, ride the, uh, the, the charcoal, like food additive, toothpaste, face wash wave, but I could totally see canna waste, like all those vitamins and minerals you were talking about. Like, uh, like the, I have a, 
a charcoal face wash that I use sometimes and I could see like I don't know a hemp version of that perhaps uh but then again I'm still I'm I'm not a you know a can of waste business person I'm still you know comparing it to things I know like charcoal um but that's a free business idea you, you well, can have that one that's a freebie <laughs> thank you thank you yeah no we're actually um that is an interest of mine where if there's a way to operate a reactor or pyrolysis system that would allow us to maintain certain nutrients so we all know that when you cook foods like even eggs the reason eggs turn white is when you're when you're cooking it you're actually um cooking the proteins and it's the breakdown of those proteins that makes the egg turn its color when it's done it's i'm looking at biochar in a similar way where is there a way of us operating a reactor that say we can actually maintain some of those oils or molecular compounds that have nutritional benefits whether it's something as simple as nitrogen or the, the possibility of omegas and fatty acids is really 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 small of being able to do that but it's um for me all of those pieces are worth looking into because it it allows nutritional value to be maintained in the system um that really benefits the people that we're trying to, to help benefit by this diversion tactic yeah i mean i don't know how necessarily like all people grow cannabis but i, I can't imagine that um you know, like, like some areas of land are better for growing things than others. And I, I can't imagine that, you know, cannabis is like, I mean, it is a weed and it grows like a weed, I suppose. But I think, I think anything that puts, you know, stuff back into the ecosystem that was taken out, I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. One of yeah. the other things that pyrolysis method does is that uh, with that carbon sink, you're able to create carbon credits. The carbon credits is something that's just beginning to morph into an actual business model for other essentially industries that are need to buy carbon credits. So that's another whole market that's coming online uh, within the next year, probably it'll start maturing to a real good market. But it's uh it's all about, for us, it's all about uh, establishing sustainability in as many different ways as we can and, and create uh, different income streams uh, that keeps us moving forward with the research and development, which is probably never going to end. Uh, there's always things to do to find new things to do. The weed goes on forever and the research never ends. Yep. That that's actually my job security. So <laughs> excellent. Right. All right. If we run out of problems, we run out of research stuff. So I'll be on the streets. Oh well, I'll I'll, I'll keep that in mind. That's a little stressful, but uh, all right. Uh, moving on. I feel like we've been talking a lot about weed. Um, would you like to know about this week's weed uh, weed product? Absolutely. All right, so this week's featured weed product is from Calico Cannabis. I ran into them, I think they're based in Wyndham. Um, I ran into them at my last uh, cannabis event and they were cool enough to just toss me an eighth. Um, so this is me thanking them publicly for that sweet, sweet eighth uh, of Captain Cake. Um, that's what uh, we'll be enjoying during the smoke break. Um, I mean, you guys are somewhere else and probably at work, so I don't know if you'll be enjoying anything, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll certainly be having fun during the smoke break. Um, go to Calico. We'll be visiting them today on our. We're doing a 420 tour. Oh, really? And visiting different dispensaries and just to say hi and pick up a little pre roll or something just to spread some cannabis love. Like trick or treating, but in April. Right. Yep. All righty. Yeah, so moving on to the munchie moment, uh, what do you like to snack on when you have the munchies? And Jeremy, feel free to go first. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not an avid smoker, uh, but um, when I do indulge, um, I'm generally a, a sweet and salty type of guy. So usually something like mountain mix, trail mix, where I get a little bit of the, the almonds and the M&Ms uh, is usually my, my thing. Sometimes I'll get a little swirly and have a Coke, but trying to cut back on that these days. 
Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about trail mix, do you make your own or is there a, like a pre-mixed version that you uh, appreciate more? Uh, I generally try and make my own. Um, so part of what I focus on is uh, systemic impacts. So things like anything that I can source locally is a much better uh, avenue for me um, just because I'm a nerd that is always trying to process different information. I overcome, as Kevin will tell you, pretty much everything I do. But fortunately, you guys have some amazing blueberries and uh, some of the, the fruits that you guys have up here are top notch. So I've been enjoying some of the local fruits um, to add to my trail mix. Wonderful. All righty, Kevin, it's your turn. Devil dogs. Devil dogs, interesting. Well, I'm old school. Uh, it's, it's just a, a quick, easy, similar to a whoopie pie. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves a whoopie pie. So um, yeah, I got a little more of a sweet tooth, but um uh generally on the go i'm doing some some granola bars mm -hmm. um just to to keep me rolling because i never stop so yeah have you ever tried popping one in the microwave for a couple seconds it's a it's a real treat really yeah nice hot devil dog it's not for everyone but like and you can definitely like you know heat it up to the point where it's not really you know but treat me more but uh if you if you right. find that like five five six seconds you, and you really nail it you have a nice uh it's almost like one of those fancy french uh what do you call them a moose bouche <laughs> yeah well, something along those lines. yeah that's yeah. good stuff yeah it is um you know what else is good stuff weed yeah weed uh speaking of are you folks ready to do some weed sure all right, let's do it. We are back. Jeremy and Kevin have weed words that they would like to share with us. If you or a friend have a word that you think deserves airtime, leave us a message on Anchor. Make sure to include your name, a definition, and its use in a sentence. I guarantee you, if anyone does this, it will be on the show pending absolute foulness. All right, so who wants to go first? Sticky bud. <laughs> But it's something that always works. This is a good weed word. It's a it's a high level reference, in my opinion. Uh, I what love. What is in the sentence? My sticky bud makes me happy. How's yep. that? Yep. Yeah, that works. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, Jeremy. Do you want to share your weed word? Yeah, I'll go a little bit more on the business side and just uh, do the let's do some trash talking. Um, for us, it's it's important to understand that a lot of the people in the, the cannabis industry have the best intentions, but uh, it's one of those that as we as we dig into it, it's it's as we said before. There, unfortunately, there's a lot of problems where. Um, we can really make a big impact together. And it's something that is exciting because there's so much potential, but as the industry grows, it's, uh, it's going to become more necessary. So having that trash diverted into something that helps communities is, is going to be a big piece that we're really excited for. Yeah. You know, if you play your cards, right, you could have, you know, like a, oh, what city, I think it was New York. And when the, uh, when like the garbage men all went on strike for some reason you you guys could get to the point where uh, you have all that power there'll just be like piles of fan leaves and sticks and stems you know at every corner and they'll be begging yeah, we've you got, to take them we've, we've got the illuminati working on that for us right now so it's... <laughs> wow that's that's pretty <laughs> impressive uh all right thank you both for those weed words would you like to talk about the weed now always <laughs> always um how are you both feeling this morning lots of happiness it's a beautiful sunny day uh a, a good happy smile makes it only better yeah it's a beautiful yeah. sunny 420 yeah couldn't complain if we wanted to yep all right <laughs> Uh, I guess this will be the 420 episode, even though we're not releasing it. Okay. So, uh, oh, also in the introduction, normally say I've been a stoner for eight years. I've I've bumped it up to nine years because I figured this is as good of a, 
you know, a, a reference point as any for how long I've been doing weed. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk about the weed now and do my little monologue. Uh, so this is Captain Cake. I had a fairly side, I, I picked the most average looking nug out of all of them and it was, you know, uh, 0.44 grams. I was sniffing this, I got an interpreting guide that I've been working with. Thank you to Jennifer of Independent Diamond Brokers for providing that with me. Um, and so I've been trying to get more specific in my, my weed tasting notes. Um, so I'm going to say that I, I detected notes of piney, lemonine, and myrcene in this bad nug. Not, okay, I meant bad boy nug, not bad nug. I don't want to shit talk the weed. Right. Um, it's kind of a middle to front of the nose kind of smell. Um, very, very piney, I would say. Uh, going going by the appearance, uh, purpley kind of patches, I would say. I don't have the nug in front of me because I did just smoke it. Um, be, I should take pictures beforehand. Um, but pretty even, like, uh, I, I wrote down that it was saltine-like in nature due to the, like, the even distribution of trichomes. Uh, there were pretty clear silver, no, no amber ones, so this was picked at a very good time. Um, the texture of the weed was uh, nice and I wouldn't say too crisp because that implies that it, it's too dry, but it had some, it crumbled when I touched it, but it also had some bounce, which is something I look for. Uh, long brown hairs, I would say 75% covered in trichomes, so that's, that's fairly, fairly good. I would say I enjoyed this weed. Um, upon exhaling, I, I got notes of uh, blue spruce. Um, I, I shared this I shared this with a friend and upon exhaling she commented that it was like eating with a bamboo fork um, or biting a pencil which I thought were very evocative terms that I wanted to share so thank you Melanie for uh, sharing your thoughts with me um, that's the weed I enjoyed I would definitely do it again so be be on the lookout for Captain Cake and also can of waste uh, moving on to the blowing smoke portion uh, Kevin what was your first experience with weed I just remember walking out uh, on the railroad tracks on my way home from school. Um, always had a, a buddy that would come home and he somehow managed to pull one out one day, shared it with me, and that was always a nice, easy walk home. Was this a joint? Yes. Yeah. In those days, that's what you called them, and that's what it was. I dig it. What about you, Jeremy? Or yeah, Jeremy. Um, I was actually relatively new. I didn't have my first one till college, um, and really didn't enjoy it until um, I'm actually from Ohio, so it just recently became legal for medical. And then that's when I realized that in college, the reason that I didn't really like it was because it was just really poor quality. So learning more, learning more about it um really allowed me to open my eyes a little bit more and being the nerd that i am it's your, your taste buds change over time so it was interesting to see that transition of uh i wouldn't say i necessarily like it to the point of where i crave smoking but it's um it's one of those where now i definitely have a use for it where it helps me relax and thanks to some sports injuries it definitely helps me sleep better at night so it's uh it's been a lovely addition to to my my routine but um yeah it's it's been an adventure to get to try a bunch of different uh varieties and learn more about the uh very specific and niche details of, of different products and different varieties it's i just thought they were funny names for a long time but now i'm kind of learning the method of the madness so it's it's nice i just want to add that you know when i was younger when he mentioned quality of bud, essentially it was green or it was brown. It had lots of seeds or it had lesser, but always had seeds. So yeah, the quality of weed that these guys are cranking out nowadays is like, wow, heavenly compared to when I first started walking down the railroad tracks. So shout out to all of you. You guys do some great quality bud. Shout out to railroad tracks also. Great for squishing pennies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The only thing I can use a like a there, there used to be a railroad track running through my backyard when I lived in New Hampshire. No, I lived in Massachusetts. Um, and it was always kind of like, oh, is that a, a, a train horn in the middle of the night or am I hallucinating or is this a nightmare? Um, 
which I was like, you know, eight or nine years old, so I didn't have answers, but uh, sure was fun to squish some pennies. Right. Alrighty. So, uh, when was your business formed? 2019 is when I began uh, putting the research together. And essentially what that came about from is uh, I've been a real estate broker most of my life, or adult life, I should say, obviously. Uh, and I was starting to find space for guys to do cultivation. And one of the things, as I was talking through some of their procedures on how they needs for the real estate, I discovered that nobody was talking about the waste and how to handle it. And when I started hearing about the volumes, I'm like, oh my God, this, this has to be an opportunity in here somewhere. Um, and I just started doing the research and found out there was very little uh, actual work being done other than everybody dumps it in the dumpster. The, the volumes of the, of the waste that goes into the dumpsters uh, has been my main motivator. Um, I just find it to be a complete waste. And another tagline I use is waste is not waste until you waste it. Um, and it's, it's just been something that uh, I was looking for a way to get into the weed market. And uh, to me, this is uh, a way to give back to the weed industry by uh, just bringing some sustainable ways that need to start happening. So before you all came onto the scene, people would just throw away, like they, they wouldn't even try to compost it? Well, I mean, I can't speak, you can't speak for everyone, but how did Right. Yeah. I've run into some people that do have some creative uses for it and do composting in live soil. Uh, but the huge majority of everybody, they just still throw it in the dumpster. And um, basically, you know, the... The big thing with the dumpsters for me is that uh, everybody is still using the dumpster um, as their primary source of disposal. It's, as I'm told, it's just easy and it's a little cheaper than the service that we provide. And I get it, economics are economics, um, but the give backs with being able to uh, embody the sustainability for the market and the oncoming uh, sustainability movement that's coming just because of climate change. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel that some people are beginning to understand that it's something that needs to be done. Um, and we do our best to, to work with them on a, a custom waste management plan. Everybody has different operations. Everybody has distant systems timing and we do our best to listen to the client and literally put a plan together that works best uh, both for their economics and uh, just being able to be timely with our pickups and services. How much cannabis would you say you process in a day like the the refuse I mean like pounds? Well when we after we'd done a pick uh, we take it to a location at Grumpy's Farm up in Augusta. He's been kind enough to open up his farm and let us do the biochar work. And our, our kiln can basically process about a uh, thousand pounds an hour. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a system that's big enough to produce, but it's not so big that we need to get into hundreds of thousand dollar kind of machinery to that process the biochar uh, we feel that's a nice little niche um, and the the volumes are at least something that we can uh, we can manage for a like uh, a medium-sized hemp farm and the beauty of our kiln is that it's mobile um, I mounted it on a trailer uh, that I can tow with my truck and I go to the feedstock um, and that cuts down on a lot of transport, especially in the biochar business. You tend to need to bring in large quantity volumes to a central facility 
and then process it and then transport out to whoever your clients are. We're able to eliminate one of those steps just by going to the feedstock. And of course that affects the limiting your carbon footprint um, and just your off gassing. And that's another big piece of what we do is we tend to hit all the sustainability pieces as much as we can with everything we do. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, you haven't spoken in for a while. Um, so cannabis, um, sorry, pardon me. Kevin, you founded this industry. Um, Jeremy, you came along later, right? Yeah, I came along, I'd say probably a year into Kevin doing this. We started talking. I was actually living in Hungary at the time, um, doing industrial hemp research with a nonprofit out of Amsterdam. Um, so I guess I could thank that group for for getting me into the cannabis industry um it's for to kevin's point there's there's a lot of pieces to um the sustainability that it's it's great and i look at cannabis growers as farmers it's they have the best intentions they want the best product um to to provide for for their customers but it's at the end of the day, there's there's always an, an area to improve, and that's where um, it's just simple little things. From if they're composting, it's it's understanding there are greenhouse gas releases from that process, um, and especially things like methane can be extreme are shown to be extremely detrimental to um, the environment. As much as everyone wants to talk about CO two, there's other greenhouse gas emissions that come off those processes that are actually worse than carbon. So it's it's always an interesting uh, piece for me to get to actually go and talk to people about their process and learn that they they have the best intentions, but it's a matter of of taking a step by step approach to guiding them to a uh, to a more sustainable way of operating. Um, because there's there's issues that are coming that. Um, I, are my big concerns that are not necessarily plastic related, although that is a big issue, but um, there's more relevant things for farmers, for things like fertilizers. Um, the costs are going to go up. As most growers in Maine have seen, electricity has gone up, um, and that's largely because it's fossil fuel-based energy. So the more resilient we can make them, the better their business will be. The problem is it unfortunately takes time and effort and usually a little investment. Um, so that's where it's educating them and working with them really allows us to help them make better decisions and ultimately better products for, for consumers. So you can enjoy better buds as, as we continue to, to move forward in the industry. Hell yeah, brother. Yep. How long would you say it takes the kiln to break down uh, a thousand pounds? Generally, it's a 20 to 30 minute cycle. Um, I do 500 pound batches on average. Uh, it's basically four 55 gallon barrels uh, full of material that we roll into the kiln. Um, so it's, it's a short cycle piece, but it, it all depends on the moisture content of the material that I put in. Um, if it's dry, it can be done in that range. If it's uh, wetter, yeah, um, it's going to take me obviously more time uh, mm-hmm. just to dry it out and start turning it into char. Um, so you've got to pay attention when you're running the kiln. It's, it's fast moving action. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what areas do you cover in Maine? Like, uh, you're, where are you located? I'm based in Westbrook. But the area that I'm primarily starting with is up in the Augusta, Auburn, even up to Waterville. Um, I'm trying to get together with a couple of peeps that I know out there to, to kind of open the door with some cultivators, uh, especially. Um, so that area is my primary just because it's close to my home base at Grand Peace. And uh, Southern Maine is something that um, aggressively starting to move to like working on getting the location that's closer down in that area. But a lot of times I'm dealing with dump truck loads, not just 
couple of vehicles here and there. So if I end up walking out of a facility, you need to do. Kevin, you disappeared again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Uh, essentially, I'm serving uh, Central in a little northern uh, below Bangor. Uh, my primary focus next is going to be down in the Biddeford, Saco. Um, even I'd like to go down into the Elliot area, Elliot area. Uh, but I'm I'm slowly expanding my uh, my base, and I'm open to uh, to people that are a little outside my range, uh, especially if I can put together a route. Um, I want to service everybody. One dumpster avoidance at a time. <laughs> oh, that's a great way to say that. And, and I do agree with you. Um, maybe someday in the future, you know, you'll have your black trash bags for trash and you'll have your green ones for recycling. And then you'll have your other green ones for cannabis. <laughs> Just put those outside your, I mean, probably not for, you know, regular consumers, unless you're like the freaking Hulk, um, to plow them through mm -hmm. weed. But um as long as OMP of... doesn't have something bad to say about that. <laughs> what are when you talked about making individual sustainability plans for businesses? What are some what are some aspects of those plans that you would be interested in sharing with us? One of the big ones is everybody doesn't have a square inch of space to give to something like waste. Uh, they always are looking for ways to, to gain space. So we provide them a, a lockable container that can be stashed off to the side. It does have to be in cameras. And one of the things that we're starting to look at now is using super sacks. Uh, and... <laughs> Sorry, please continue. Uh, it's basically, a, it's a one cubic yard bag and we feel it can be stashed off to the side easier. It is a lockable uh, container, and it's uh, it's something that uh, I can reduce the stops or, or work better with large quantity uh, producers and, and do it in one stop. So um, we're all about setting up to meet their needs, uh, and sometimes they run into... Uh, material that everything has to be separated so you're going to keep your stem and leaf separate from uh any like water hash is something that needs to be separated just because it's such a a different product that is difficult to to work with um and we just work with the client we listen to what their needs are and we come up with a system that is compliant with OMP, and we just set the guidelines from there on what it is that they need. And timing tends to be the big one, so we leave timing to be flexible for the pickup. You never know exactly what day is harvest day, mm -hmm. and we try to service them as uh, close to that harvest day as possible so that they don't have to be worrying about any of the waste, well, ever. Um, and, you know, it's about procedures, uh, eliminating work for them. Um, we're focused on being able to limit any of the wasted time going to dealing with their waste. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's a service that pays for itself. And you can figure out that your guys can be doing many other things, being productive than dealing with waste. Mm -hmm. Something that comes to mind, um, is especially in regards to waste, like on the side of the road, if you see like a, like a soda can, you're going to be pretty revolted. Like, oh, someone just kind of threw this out here and it's existing in the environment. However, when you throw like trash away into a trash can, you're still throwing it into the environment. You're just removing yourself from that situation where you can, you know, witness the effects of your refusal to recycle. Um, some like sustainability is important to me. I feel such guilt whenever I like I have to throw away a, a paper bag instead of bringing it back and recycling it. Um, so what are what are some other sustainable methods people might be able to, you know, if they can't exactly 
go to your service, but what are what are some ideas they could adopt perhaps? I've heard people using stems to do artwork with it. Um, I've heard people that are really into living soil and there's ways of using that as uh, basically to activate their soils. Um, these are the guys that I like talking to the most because they're very front and center with their sustainability practices and just using nature to grow in itself the way it has been forever. Um, and it, it makes me happy to hear guys literally talk about some different ways that they use that are, are pretty creative, um, but it all has to happen. It doesn't matter necessarily what you do with it other than putting it in illegal disposing, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just a product because of the volumes that are done. It really needs to start being sustainably uh, disposed of. I agree. And I feel, ugh, I'm going to stand on a soapbox here for a second, but I feel the same way about dube tubes. I think we should have like a, yeah. you know, those little plastic things like you, it's just, it feels so wasteful. It takes like what, three minutes to smoke a joint and then you have this thing forever. Um, I think they should have like right. a five, a five cent, like, you know, come back to the dispensary and drop off your tubes and get, you know, a nickel back. I've talked to a lot of dispensaries, especially in testing labs about that, where packaging was one of their biggest concerns at all. One of the things we also do is we try to do a, a search out there and find out who is actually making sustainable packaging. And I like to just share information with, information with people. You know, this is something that's a, a more sustainable approach. Try it, look it out, look up at it, see what it does. You know, um, it all starts with choices. People make choices on how to do packaging and methods of growing. And, uh, you know, if you start just looking at little pieces in little choices that can make a difference, um, it's going to start turning things around in the right direction. And I think there's a huge opportunity in branding for each uh, each business to show the difference in sustainability. And um, one of the things we're also looking at putting on board is uh, a software platform that essentially tracks every step of the grow process and it shows the data from all of that and is able to calculate an ESG report and a carbon footprint report. And your customers can literally go tap into the blockchain report for that and literally see, oh, this was done cleanly and, and just watch the whole step of the process. And, really get a feeling of, wow, yeah, these guys are doing it right. And I love the product and um, it just gives comfort to the consumer. And they're starting to make choices based on sustainability. Um, that's becoming a big thing now. And, and to get ahead of the curve, these guys really should be looking at that closer. It seems like you have a view of the future that others do not. Um, and I mean that in like a precognitive way, not a tinfoil hat kind of way um i i really appreciate what both of you are doing um thank you we've uh, put a lot of thought into making sure the processes work all the way through in a, in a beneficial way my my final question um this is for jeremy so he has some some screen time i suppose or airtime, i guess um so after you collect the materials and you make the biochar what do you do with the biochar do you give them back to the companies or do you like do you sell it you spoil me with with screen time I, I i don't know what to do with myself at the moment um so with the biochar right now we're doing testing so my piece is going to universities so we're working with engineering programs to improve the, the process we're working with um, agricultural research programs to understand the different dynamics and then we're, all, we're also working with the international biochar initiative which is a global network that's trying to improve the properties of biochar. So 
understanding what the parameters and limitations of the biochar are allows us to better understand how to integrate it back into the systems. So it sounds really crazy, but there are different, there's, there's much different parameters and functions for biochar based on the material. So something like um, cocoa versus stems create completely different biochars um, where one is more resilient um, to things like nutrient as a, as a soil additive. Um, others are better for water filtration, as Kevin said earlier. So it's, we're, we're determining those roles. And then we're even uh, looking to work with some indigenous groups in the main area to help them with their agricultural solutions. So oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a piece that is extremely open-ended. Um, we've got some really large universities and we're work, I'm reaching out to smaller universities as well to just help us work through the math. It's unfortunately, there's a lot of research that needs to be done, but in terms of the, the growers themselves, I, I, I'm putting together official peer reviewable research projects for them to integrate biochar into their soils to prove the benefit. Because the, the amazing thing is that even though each grower is different, it's all extremely controlled. They know exactly what nutrients are in the soil. They know they have control over the humidity, the air quality. So it really makes for an amazing lab testing environment that allows us to test different parameters at the same time. It's if we put this biochar in these different types of soils, does it pull up nitrogen or does it slowly release the nitrogen? How does it react with, does it help improve the performance of the plant? Does it allow it to produce more buds? Does it increase the root structure um, because the leaf cover and the root structure are actually the carbon sequestration that benefits the business. Um, the, the leaves in that uh, photosynthesis process are actually pulling the carbon and putting it into the roots, which count for that sequestration. So it's that carbon neutrality that we hear people greenwashing about. And you hear the major corporations saying, oh, we're going to be carbon neutral by 2030. If we can't do it in the cannabis industry, there's no way a Procter & Gamble or Coca-Cola is going to be able to do it because they're not even growing stuff. So it's um, taking that quote-unquote waste and making it a beneficial product for everybody um, and really just understanding you know, where, where are the limitations. There's a completely open end to it. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, I'm really excited for the universities we're working with, but we'll be getting some testing done here shortly to, to prove the benefits. And uh, ideally, I'd like to get as many growers as possible involved, just a, a barrel or like a batch and just say, okay, give me two or three plants. And it's the, <laughs> I, I would never put anything into soil that I thought would be detrimental, um, but I, I know that there's a beneficial quality. It's just, as a researcher, I'm a realist. And I'm like, well, I don't plan on killing your plants, but I mean, it might not be the perfect solution right away. That's the research process of saying, okay, we did this, this happened. How do we make it better? And I look at it as an improvement system where we're working with these groups and the dream, the vision that I have for the research is understanding these controlled soil types. So when I go to do projects in Africa or South America or Haiti, um, I have, I have a, a baseline. I have a, this is an optimum soil type. Here's your soil type. How do we reach it? What types of phytoremediation or um, what, how do we need to increase the soil biome? Do we need to add fungi? Do we need to add bacteria? And improving the soil based on the cannabis industry because they're working with the best mediums they know. So improvement in the industry helps us improve the world. Man, I'm going to have to have you guys back on the show in like a year or two from now, just so we can have updates on the wonderful world of biochar, cannabis biochar. Our place changes every day. <laughs> Alrighty, so we are just about out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about that we didn't touch on? We're out actively seeking clients right now. Um, 
I need to basically get some better production in order to keep the biochar uh, working. So if you're interested in Canada Waste Recycling Services, please do reach out. Um, we are going to be out today uh, just uh, doing the 420 tour. So look forward to seeing some of you guys today and uh, please do reach out. Yeah, if you're interested in saving the world one butt at a time, check these check these folks out. Can't waste. Right on. All right. Where would you like people to find you? Um, our webpage is canawasterecycling.com and our emails are Kevin at canawasterecycling. Um, you can reach out on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Um, I generally keep those pages pretty robust. Um, and uh, the phone numbers are there. Mine is uh, 233-6434. Uh, Jeremy, would you like to say anything else? Yeah, my email is just jeremy at cannabiscycling.com and LinkedIn. And like I said, I just moved here from Ohio, so I can't remember my phone number off the top of my head <laughs> for Maine, but I do have a Maine phone number. But um, yeah, reach out to us on the website or linkedin or send us emails um we're we're in a business but at the same point the the more people we get involved the faster we can make these projects move forward and it's it sounds crazy but the more waste that i can get from the the growers and the cultivators and dispensaries the better we'll be able to understand what we can do and really helps us set the right tone for for the future so the more we can we can do now, the more we can impact lives around the world. So please reach out to us. If you've got any questions, we're, we're happy to help any way we can. Excellent. And now, unfortunately, it is all the time we have. Thank you for listening. Our theme music is The Irish Washerwoman as arranged by Maylie Charles. You can find Potlucky on Apple Music, Google Music, and Spotify. We also have an Instagram page. Feel free to post pictures of your smoking materials and tag me in them at Potlucky Podcast. Like what we do and want to see us grow? Consider supporting us on Anchor.fm. You will hear from me next week. Unfortunately, Jeremy and Kevin will be elsewhere, probably saving the planet. Um, so let's say goodbye together. Goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.